0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendes. I'm a famous analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at locked on Rams and as you heard in the intro we've got a lot to discuss about this game between the Rams and the Packers in week 12 and I'm sure a lot of you guys have already sort of put it behind you in the sense that it was another bad performance by this team that makes 3 in a row now and we're left with a lot of questions in terms of what is this team right now where are they headed is this a Super Bowl contender are we going to even be, you know, a team in the playoffs at the end of the year. I think the Rams have these kind of questions too. And at the end of the day, you really got to start to discuss what the expectation is here for this team. But with that being said, it all starts with correcting the mistakes first and foremost with the team. And they have to ultimately just find it within to know where to correct these mistakes. And I finally got a chance to watch the film and break down all the plays. I shared a lot of the clips on my Twitter at QBs MEP, as I always mentioned to you guys. And I finally got the PFF numbers as well, the in depth numbers. So let's take a look at them. We could start with the offense here. And some of the things that I sort of found notable was the pass protection. That was the very first thing that I wanted to note here. And I mean, it wasn't a great game by the offensive line by any means. In total, they allowed 15 total pressures, which is a little bit on the higher end, especially for these guys who have performed really well pretty much all season. Of course, Matthew Stafford also sacked twice, according to our numbers here at PFF. So No real good grades across the board from these linemen. I mean, the best was Brian Allen. And when maybe your worst offensive lineman is your highest graded guy at, you know, borderline okay 73, it's probably not that good of a deal for the Rams. And as you can imagine, I mean, Matthew Stafford is a guy that needs time. This is not a mobile quarterback. He needs to have a clean pocket. And ultimately, when I watch this tape, I mean, the Rams have a lot of long developing passing plays where there three or four receivers or five receivers, whoever it may be. These guys, by the time Stafford has reached the end of his drop seven steps, even, and he's already waiting in the pocket. He's clutched the ball once, twice, even three times. These guys are still not at the end of their routes or sometimes not even at the breaking point of their route where they're starting to make their break. If it's outside or inside or backward, whatever the case is, a lot of the times he has to sit back there in the pocket and wait for these longer developing plays to develop And the offensive line, therefore, has a harder job. Stafford, therefore, has to wait longer. Yeah, it could result in bigger plays downfield. And I think we've seen that for the most part from this offense where they've been very productive when they can get the ball off. But it just makes it for a harder time to complete passes. And this is why I feel like the Rams offense has really become one of these, you know, big strike or no strike type of offenses where, they don't want to have 12 or 15 play drives, it feels like, but they're happy to go for the jugular, as I say on Twitter, which means, you know, we're going to try to strike while the iron is hot. We're going to try to get that 62 yard touchdown or that pass over the top of the defense and make you guys really pay for being aggressive. Whereas they don't want to take, you know, that seven yard dump off to the running back or the three yard pass here or the five yard slant there. It just doesn't feel like they're happy to take that on offense right now. And I think they need to really readjust in terms of their schematics, not necessarily in terms of how they want to go about attacking defenses, but they need to start taking some of these smaller plays, letting the guys that have the ball in their hands create yardage after the catch. If you break, you know, one tackle in the flat, you can turn a one yard pass into an 11 yard gain. We saw that with AJ Dillon, where Troy Reader is out there in the flat with him. It's one-on-one. There's nobody else out there. AJ Dillon makes him eat grass. I mean, the guy doesn't even get a hand on Dillon and he turns a negative yard pass, which was behind the line of scrimmage, it was a negative one-yard pass, turns it into a first down and a 12 or 13-yard gain. The Rams don't really have that element in their offense, and to some degree, I can understand why, right? Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle, these guys are not breaking many tackles. They only had one combined missed tackle force in this game in terms of their running aspect in the rushing attack, which is obviously not good, but at the same time, you got to give them at least some opportunities. I mean, five yards is better than no yards sometimes, and I think the Rams have to sort of step back from always wanting to hit that big play and really just evaluate where they can start to take some of these smaller gains and stay ahead of the chains and stay ahead of schedule, as we call it, when you're talking about down and distances, because that's what's going to allow them to stay in the field longer and therefore give their defense a little bit of a break, which is going to make their job easier as well. So it's really an all-encompassing kind of thing here where it's like a domino effect in the NFL when things go wrong feels like they really go wrong. And that's the case for the Rams oftentimes because it all sort of comes trickling down and the offense goes into a bad defense and the defense goes into a bad special teams and it all pours into each other to the point where nothing feels like it's going right. And it kind of feels like the Rams are in this tailspin right now where nothing is going right. But at the end of the day, the offense still had some positives. I felt like it was really good to see Odell Beckham in this game. He created a lot of separation and it was tough for Stafford to really find him in terms of actual accurate passes. There was at least two passes that he probably missed that he shouldn't have another one on the slant. It was a second and seven. I posted this on Twitter as well. Should have been an easy catch and maybe 15 yard gain a first down a conversion. Of course it wasn't Stafford puts the ball way behind OBJ. He makes a great catch. I think he was lined up against a linebacker in the slot there and it turns into a third and two. The Rams don't convert to third and two and they have to punt like it's the very little subtle things that are coming back to haunt the Rams. And it was all because of a bad pass from Matthew Stafford. And I know a lot of you guys are probably thinking, oh, you know, they don't really have chemistry. They're still new to each other and all that. And that's true. That does make some sense for sure. But Stafford hit that same pass later on in this game. And it was all because of the footwork. The one with Odell that he missed, footwork absolutely terrible, very choppy. He's flat-footed. He's choppy with his steps. He's really quick and antsy for some reason. He has a clean pocket. And then the second instance... Very good mechanics, very good footwork, transfers the weight properly, good mechanics, and it's an on-target throw to Cooper Cup, easy conversion, and the Rams get down at the 7-yard line, and they score the very next play on an angle route or Texas route, whatever you want to call it, to Darrell Henderson. It's those little minute details right now that I feel like are holding the Rams back, and Stafford was really at the root of a lot of these issues. I mean, there was the missed pass to Tyler Higby on the corner route. It's just bad. It's egregious. I mean, that is pitch and catch in the NFL. You have a wide-open guy for the most part. He had five yards of separation. You need to lead him to the boundary there so he can kind of just put his hands out and the ball drops in there. That's a 15-yard gain, a first down, a big chunk play for the offense. Instead, Stafford leaves him short. It comes up short. Higby has to basically break stride, completely turn around, try to slide and dive backwards. Doesn't complete the catch in. Well, that's really where a lot of these little instances have gone wrong for the Rams. And I don't know why Stafford is suddenly uncomfortable, especially with guys like Higby. I mean, you've played the entire season with this guy. You've been together now for three or four months in season, right? We're not talking about off season and March, April. You had all that time as well. I can understand and forgive the things, you know, with Odell Beckham. This is a new guy that makes sense, but. I mean, the guys that you've been with for this long, you need to be accurate on those passes. The Rams have paid way too much money, way too much investment, trade compensation, whatever you want to call it. This guy's way too talented to be leaving passes like that on the table. I mean, he's wide open. There's certain ones you're not going to hit. This is the NFL. Defenders get paid too. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to hit the open ones. And right now, for whatever reason, Matthew Stafford's missing them and it comes back to This is why the offense has not been productive. And it's been more than that. As I mentioned, offensive line struggled in this game. There were certain instances where, you know, Stafford doesn't really have a clean pocket, can't really step into his throws. And ultimately, that's some of the little stuff that's really hampered them on the offensive side of the ball. Never mind the rushing attack. There was at least four or five or six rushes where the Rams tried to run the ball and they gained two yards. And some of that may be on the vision of the running back. Some of that may be, you know, on the blocking of the offensive line. Some of it may be on the lack of personnel. We're going to dive into that in just a second here because once again, the Rams have gotten into their old ways when it comes to their formations. As always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP, at Locked On Rams, and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. And well, in life, we're all bound for different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion. Bound for rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. When I'm at a beach resort, you guys know how I like to do it. Legs up, kicked up the feet, soaking in the sun on the beach, enjoying the weather, enjoying the water, potentially a little adult beverage in my hand, maybe a cigar, something like that. If you're 21 and over, I know you can relate for sure. With BeachBound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit BeachBound.com today to find out now we can pick up here with the second segment and i wanted to quickly thank you guys for always making us your first daily listen here at Lock on rams now we're continuing along with this offense right there were some good instances as well because when you watch the tape you're going to see the good the bad the ugly like we talk about it in our episodes but you're also going to notice all the little things that you probably don't pick up on the broadcast copy things that you don't even see because it's a totally different angle right and Two of those throws from Matthew Stafford in this game, they were tremendous. I mean, the deep shot to Van Jefferson, that was outstanding. It was a perfect pass. He couldn't even step into the throw. There was a defender right in his face. I can't remember which offensive lineman got bullied back into his lap. Still let off a great pass. And I mean, you got to give credit to that because oddly enough, there was an in-breaking route underneath Van Jefferson. I think it might've been Odell. And it was a easy first down conversion. I want to say it was like third and 10 and it would have been a 15 yard gain. No questions asked, but Stafford held it and he knew that he had that safety beat. He knew he had that corner beat and he let it go for the big shot and it worked. I mean, you got to give him credit for that. That was a great throw, great play. And the other one that I'm talking about, the other long touchdown, the 53 yarder to Odell Beckham jr. That one was impressive. I mean, that one showed a lot of what makes Matthew Stafford such a good player in the NFL The anticipation, the ability to really uncork a good pass. And again, another defender right in his face couldn't step up into the throw, which is why it wasn't, you know, even another yard further. I'm sure if he had been able to step into the throw, it would have been an absolutely perfect pass. But hey, this one was a 9.5 out of 10. Let's not get it twisted. It was a beautiful pass. And by the time Stafford was letting it go, I posted this on my Twitter. There was two defenders on Par or on level with Odell running that sluggle, as they call it, the slant and go, where he's going to run like this and then kind of break up forward. That was not open by the time he let it go. And the reason I'm so impressed by that is because you really see the anticipation, right? He sees Odell getting deep and getting open 25 yards before it happens. Like it's really, really cool to see some of these things that if you're watching the broadcast copy, you would have no idea. And that was a great shot by Matthew Stafford. The last thing that I really wanted to touch on, though, was the third and three shot. I think it was around 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And a lot of us, myself included, were confused. It's third and three. The Rams are down. I think they were down about 10 points, 11 points at this point in time. Still a two-score game. And on third and three, Stafford takes a deep shot down the right sideline to Odell Beckham. Beckham gets a hand on it, but it was really good coverage. Couldn't bring it down. He was out of bounds, and he didn't catch it anyways. A lot of people are thinking... It's third and three. Why are you shooting it 35, 40 yards deep on a vertical when all you needed was three yards? And then the Rams, of course, like I want to say cowards, but they go out and punt the next snap on fourth down when they shouldn't have. But either way, that was a good call by Matthew Stafford. I watched the play. The safeties started in too high for the Packers. And then that play side safety really rotated down and had to cover Darrell Henderson man on man. And the other safety, the backside guy started on the far hash And had to go from here all the way to across the formation where Odell was targeted down here. So when you really think about it, it was the perfect decision by Matthew Stafford. It was one-on-one with a chance for a huge play and the Rams were down two scores. They needed it in the worst way, unfortunately for the Rams. And really for Odell, it was really good coverage by rookie cornerback, Eric Stokes. So they couldn't complete the pass. But in general, it was actually a really good decision because if they complete that pass, that has a chance to be a 70 yard house call. Like you need to take that shot every single time you get it in the game. Never mind when you're down two scores and there's, you know, 10 or 11 minutes left in the game. That's an absolute, no doubt need to take that shot call. So I wanted to kind of just bring that to light because sometimes you don't really understand why he's doing certain things, but sometimes they do make sense. And that instance to me made a lot of sense for Matthew Stafford. Now we can flip to the other side of the ball here start looking at this pass rush because I was one of the people who was really critical on it. And I still am. I don't care about these numbers. At the end of the day, you have way too much talent, way too many good players to not be doing anything against backup offensive linemen, pretty much across the board. You need to have more of an impact on the game, but in general, Von Miller, I thought had a great game in this one, six total pressures. And I actually mentioned it yesterday that he didn't have that big of an impact. Didn't really have many statistics. If you look at the box score, Doesn't really have much to show for but in terms of the run defense was really good in this one was really active. And then of course the six pressures, he led the Rams. So pretty decent game by him. I would say definitely his best with the team though. That's not really saying much at this point in time, Aaron Donald, once again, had a tremendous contest, five pressures in this game. That was second on the team. And in general, I mean, he was consistently knifing through the backfield, getting penetration. And I think Aaron Rodgers even mentioned that on the play where he actually ran for a touchdown, I think it was early in the game, sort of pumped out Jalen Ramsey. He said that it was supposed to be a handoff, and he's seen Aaron Donald coming through and knifing through, creating penetration real quick. So he actually pulled it out and just decided to run for it, which wasn't the play call at all. So it really goes to show you how much a good player or incredible Hall of Fame legendary type of player Aaron Donald can impact a game way beyond what we know. And ultimately, he was one of the guys that really helped the Rams actually put together a half decent contest in this one. The reason why I said the defense started much better or played much better really than most people give them credit for is because you have to take into context here. And I got blasted on this on YouTube. Look at it, right? The Rams fumble the ball at the six yard line. The Packers score a touchdown from that six yard line. They had six yards to go. You're putting your defense in a God awful spot there. Then again, seven points attributed to a pick six. That's 14 points. That's not on the defense at the end of the day. Then the last one, you fumble the ball on a punt return, J.J. Koski. I can't remember where that was recovered. Probably somewhere inside the 20. Again, you're putting your defense with their backs against the wall. At the end of the day, you can chalk up 10, 17, 21 points. That wasn't even the defense's fault. That is why I said the defense played a good game in this one because, no, they weren't perfect. Absolutely not. But you're playing a legendary quarterback. You're playing the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams. You're playing arguably the best team in the NFC arguably the best team in football, and you had a decent performance. Like, you're going to get beat. I'm sorry, but I don't know what some of you fans are expecting. You're not going to beat these teams, you know, 37-0, to and they're going to have 27 yards on offense. That's not going to happen. This isn't Madden. At the end of the day, teams are going to produce, whether you play well or not, right? You look back to the Rams the last two weeks, not against the Packers. They sucked against San Fran. They sucked against Tennessee. Yet Matthew Stafford in the offense still has 200, 250, 300 yards, That's how it works in the NFL. You're not going to just shut these teams out, walk off the field, allowing 23 yards and zero points. That's a pipe dream. At the end of the day, you're going to get scored on. You're going to allow certain conversions, certain drives. And yes, I'm not excusing the defense or absolving them of blame. They definitely played a part in this for sure. But at the end of the day, I thought they held up and did enough to try and give the offense a chance at least. And really, if the offense doesn't implode like they always do, at least in terms of what we've become accustomed to over the past three weeks, the Rams have a legitimate shot to win this game. So at the end of the day, it's easy for me to say they need to clean up those mistakes and they are making them. So they weren't going to win this game, but in general, if they can find a way to clean up these back breaking mistakes, the fumbles, the pick sixes, especially those that special teams turnovers, they're going to have a good shot to actually go into these games and win, especially right now with how this defense looks to be playing. I think they're playing better. They have their best corner trio out there. They have Von Miller finally immersed in this defense They're going to have a shot. They just need to find a way to stop turning the ball over. And we're going to discuss that more here in just a second in the final segment. But before we get there, make sure to tune back in tomorrow here at Locked on Rams. When former host finally rejoins me, Brad Motter, we're going to discuss his thoughts on this three-game losing skid, and I'm sure you guys are not going to want to miss what he's got to say about this one. Now, BetOnline has you covered for all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all these sports action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, to football to NHL, to boxing UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online, where the game starts. And thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at locked on Rams. For your second, go check out Locked on Bets. They'll help you go make some money at Bet Online. your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And now we'll pick up with this final segment. I talked about this defense. They will be getting better, in my opinion. The offense, we'll see how they ultimately can stack up and fix their mistakes. But you look at the secondary, and these are some of the numbers that I think are important because for us, it's always hard to digest these while they're happening in real time. And I think for the most part, we understood who really struggled in this game, who played pretty well. And ultimately you look at Dante Dion allows four receptions on seven targets, 111 yards, three first downs, not the best game he's had, but mind you 43 of those yards came on one play against Devontae Adams on a slot wheel route. And that's really hard to cover and not just that, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's Devontae Adams. Like this guy's the best receiver in football. You're going to lose that battle more often than not. So I still tip my cap to Dion for battling, for showing up, uh, because he did make some plays on the ball as well. There was a player, too, where you know he and someone else, maybe like a Nick Scott, for example, nearly come away with an interception on some pretty decent coverage. So not his best game. I'm sure You know, it's not going to be his worst game either, but if you can come away with that, in my opinion, guarding the best receiver in football as your third cornerback, I think you've got to take that when you're the Rams. The one player we knew struggled in this one, definitely the numbers suggest that he did as well, Troy reader inside linebacker seven targets. He gives up six of those for 85.7% completion percentage, 65 receiving yards, a touchdown and five first downs. Hey, listen, if you're a quarterback and you're playing the Rams, if you want to extend drives, throw it at Troy reader five first downs. If you want to create big plays in a passing game, throw it at Troy reader. We know this, the Rams know this. I think everyone else knows this as well. I don't know what they're going to do about it. They seem intent on keeping him out there. That's their decision. They want to live and die by that sword. That's entirely fine, but this guy is a liability. We'll call it what it is. Seems like a good dude. He can create some plays in the running game. Has some decent reps in that regard, but not a coverage player by any means. This is a guy that's always going to be a liability and coverage, unfortunately, for the Rams. Looking at your star-studded duo at cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, seven targets in this game. Gives up all seven for receptions, but only 48 yards, three first downs. So pretty good game by him, I would say. And then the other guy, I thought this was the best player, arguably for the Rams on defense in this game. Darius Williams, targeted eight times. That was a team high eight times, by the way. Only gives up four receptions for 42 yards and only a first down. He outperformed Jalen Ramsey. He outperformed Dante Dion. Outperformed everyone on this day. I mean, in my opinion, he had the best game outside of maybe Jordan Fuller, who I thought was just outstanding in this contest. Those were two of the guys that I highlighted in yesterday's episode. And it was good to see that, you know, you look at the numbers, you look at the tape they ultimately played pretty well. And that's why I singled out the secondary as one of the units that really carried the Rams in this game. He was targeted eight times by Aaron Rodgers and he only gave up four receptions for 42 yards, only one first down. Like that is a stat line you're going to take every single time. Hopefully he's starting to round out into form like he was last year. He seems like he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. So a good performance by him. Taylor app, four receptions on five targets, 23 yards, a touchdown, not the best that he's ever had. Not the worst either, but again, another player that is going to be a liability in coverage for the Rams. That's just the reality. The one place that maybe he can offer some legitimate help is, you know, covering running backs out of the backfield, covering some of those slower tight ends, guys like Mercedes Lewis, for example, from the Packers, not your George Kittles. Those guys are going to give him a problem, but some tight ends in the NFL, I certainly think he's worthy of in terms of in coverage. And then you're good performing duo at safety. I mentioned Jordan Fuller, Gave up one reception on three targets for eight yards, a first down, had a forced completion; It was nearly an interception. If you guys recall, it was on the right side of the field, the right hash. He kind of puts his hands out in front and nearly gets that little law pass over the top. It was a really good pass breakup, nearly picked off. And Nick Scott, a similar thing, except on the left hash on the other side, he nearly picks it off. I think it was covering Alan Lazard. It was him and Dante Dion only gives up one reception as well for eight yards. So your safeties together. They were targeted four times. They gave up two catches for 16 yards, one first down. Probably could have had two interceptions there. Really good performance by those guys. I think the Rams feel pretty good about where they're at right now in terms of that unit. And from what I saw in this game, there was some interesting usage because initially the Rams let Taylor Rapp just play, you know, second safety, top, over the top, whatever the case is, as usual. But towards the second half, around halftime, they adjusted and they actually started to kick Taylor Rapp into the box a little bit more. And he was starting to cover tight ends on one-on-one and things like that. And they put Nick Scott at the back instead of having Taylor Rapp back there. And I really think it helped sort of transform how this defense played. Like Nick Scott is a lot better in coverage back there. And of course there's the one name that we've talked about 18 million times on this podcast, they all Burgess. This guy is better than both of them combined. In my opinion, he's the one player that you have on this roster, especially in that safety room that really has legitimate coverage ability, not only as a single high guy, but as a guy that can actually kick down in a nickel and cover slot receivers or cover tight ends coming out. This guy can legitimately actually do that in-man coverage and do it well, not like a Taylor rap, not like some of these other guys But for whatever reason, the Rams refuse to play the guy, and we don't know why, don't have that answer. But at the end of the day, if they put him on that field, I think they would become an even better secondary. But we'll keep our eyes on if they start to play Nick Scott a little bit more back there in that too high kind of look or that deep safety responsibility as opposed to Taylor Rapp. And if they ultimately keep kicking Taylor Rapp down into the box, because we know that that's probably his best use case as well. So that's going to do it mostly for the number breakdown of these guys I really want to just try to talk people off the ledge here because it feels like the season's over. I'm seeing people say fire Sean McVay. You know, I'm seeing people say he shouldn't be a play caller. He's got an ego. He's got this. He's got that. At the end of the day, the Rams are not far away. I mean, this is a week-to-week league. Three weeks ago, we were talking about the Rams as the favorite for the Super Bowl. Now we're talking about they're screwed for the future. You know, this team is a bunch of divas. They're soft. They're this. They're that. Let's take a step back. Let's take a deep breath. They have a chance to recoup here against the Jacksonville Jaguars and no, nobody's going to feel better for them beating the Jaguars if they're even capable of doing that. But you can start to change that momentum here, right? Because it felt like ever since that Houston Texans game in the second half, in that fourth quarter, the Rams go about benching everyone. They allow three straight touchdowns and we've never really looked back since. I mean, it's been bad game after bad game after bad game ever since that stretch and that momentum pours into and carries over into the next game. I don't know why, but that's just how sports work, especially the NFL and especially for the Rams. So if they can start to turn things around in this game, put together a clean game, take care of a team that you should take care of. I think they're playing at home again this week against Jacksonville. So that would be important as well and just win. And then you can go into the next game after that, a game closer to the Arizona Cardinals And that is the most important game left on your schedule. Bottom line, if the Rams lose that game, the NFC West is over. Chalk it up. It's done. The Rams, at best, might be the fifth seed. But if they can win that game, then we'll be talking about, well, we've got a few more weeks left. And things are really going to start to heat up. So just take care of business. Stop turning the football over. Start to incorporate a few more different personnel packages, as I mentioned. 61 snaps I think they had in 11 personnel, and they had one snap in 12 personnel. That was it. Once again, the Rams going insanely heavy on 11 personnel like they did in 2018, like they did in some of those years where they started to get figured out, change it up a little bit. I feel like they could really start to put defenses on their heels if they stopped doing the same things over and over again. That should still be working. You have open receivers. You have open guys. Stafford just needs to continue to work through his progressions like he was earlier in the season. The O-line needs to hold up in pass protection a little bit better. Guys need to stop dropping footballs. Everything will be okay. I don't know where this team is headed. I don't know what the expectations are. But I do know this team has the talent to do everything that they want to accomplish this season, they just need to find the rhythm. They need to build that momentum back up. And ultimately, if they can do that, they're going to be perfectly fine going through this last stretch of the season and into the playoffs. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. Make sure to keep tuning back in here as your first daily listen here at Locked On Rams. Tomorrow, as I mentioned, Former host Brad Mott going to join me. We're going to break down the last bit of this game, then flip the page and start to discuss the Rams and the Jaguars. And throughout the rest of this week, what the expectations are for this team, where can they improve, where do they want to go, and can they get there? There's so many questions for us to answer about this Los Angeles Rams team. You guys can find us on Twitter, as always, at QB's MEP at Rams and on YouTube, at Rams. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.